I'm one of the worst drivers I've ever seen, and I just want you all to know that if you're ever on the highway behind me, uh, I hear you honking, and I also don't want me to be doing what I'm doing. I don't like that I'm in that lane either, and I sure would like to get out of it. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And uh, this wasn't that bad. I have a hard time with this. You know what? I liked this episode. I like this episode, except it has the one fatal flaw that most Once Upon a Time villains really end up having in this show. It shows that the villain's plan is stupid and they shouldn't have done it. You could have done nothing. It's the same thing with a lot of these villains where... You literally could have done nothing and you would have got what you wanted. Yeah, villains are a weakness in the show with, you know, a couple of very notable exceptions. So this is season six, episode 19, The Black Fairy. Yes, this is episode 19. I think another reason I like this episode is because they are really starting to gear up to the finale. They are, they are. They're getting into their whole... Once Upon a Time seasons are only good at the very beginning and at the very end thing. Yeah. And it's even more pronounced here because it's not just the end of the season. It's the end of, we assume, the series. Although, of course, that will not turn out to be the case. You know what I was thinking of while we were watching this episode? What? I was thinking about the alternate pitch we came up for uh, for the Black Fairy way, way back in the Peter Pan season. Do you remember that? I don't. You have to remind me. So when we were talking about Rumpel's absent mother in that season, we came up with the idea that she was one of the three fates, that she was the youngest of the three fates, and that the two older women we saw Rumpel being raised by were the other two fates. That would have worked really well. Especially with the whole weaving thing and... And especially with the fact that the scissors are going to turn out to be so important to explain how Rumpelstiltskin is the way he is, despite the backstory that we're given this episode. Yeah. I just feel like that would have been a better direction to go, especially when we find out how the Black Fairy became the Black Fairy. Because, spoiler alert for this episode, Rumpel is not actually half fairy. No, no. See, it would have been better if she was a fairy. If she was a fairy who just ran off and fell in love with a mortal man and had a child. That would also explain why the fairies were so down on Astrid running off with Grumpy, even though, why? Let them them be in love! Yeah, and that would have been a good reason for, I mean, I know we already have Rumpel being resentful of the fairies because, you know, Blue gave his son the bean that let him escape in the first place. That's a weak reason to be mad at the fairies. But... Yeah, if she had just started out as a fairy who had fallen in love with a human guy, I mean, maybe it would have been a little too sucky for... Oh, I was thinking about Charmed. Uh... No, see, but the fact is, this is just a trope. It's a trope. It's a thing that happens. And Once Upon a Time is all about tropes, so it would have been fine. Sucky. Thank you for that. We should rewatch True Blood. I I heard the theme song the other day, and that did make me want to rewatch True Blood. Yeah. Although I hear the last season is just not great. Oh yeah, that's definitely kept us from watching things before. Mm-hmm. So as a reminder, last episode, Zelina destroyed her magic to stop the Black Fairy from enacting part of her plan that didn't really matter because Zelina destroying this part of the plan doesn't stop her greater plan at all. So, Also, Hook and Emma are about to get married. And they have half of a wand, which, when reunited, should be able to banish the Black Fairy. And last episode, the Black Fairy went out letting us know that Blue knows her backstory. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is what happened. And that's why she's trying to stop them from waking up Blue from the mystic coma that Rumpel put her in earlier this season to stop his son from doing it. Because apparently bad deeds don't count against you morally if someone gets there first. Correct. Yeah, that's the morality of this show. Also, you know, having watched this whole episode, what exactly was she worried about them finding out once they knew her backstory? Yeah, it really doesn't change things for 
the worse for her. If anything, it paints her in a more positive light. Yeah, I, I don't know why she was so down on that. It was just to give us a line to go out on, honestly. Mm. And to set us up for this week, which will be the Black Fairy's backstory. The episode opens properly on... I do like how there's not really a before credit scene. It just goes credits, episode opening. We haven't talked about the opening uh, credits bit in a while, and that's because it's been deeply uninteresting for a while. This one's just fairies flying around. Yeah, yeah. They are checked out, Max. They are checked out right now. We open on the Black Fairy pre-Black Fairy giving birth. Uh, her name is Fiona. Sure, like Shrek's wife. Yes, like Shrek's wife. Uh, she is giving birth, and we see two fairies racing to her bedside because this is a birth that is important enough for fairies to be in attendance. The fairies, by the way, are the Blue Fairy and Tiger Lily. So, uh, Malcolm is there. You mean Peter Pan? I mean Peter Pan, so already bad characterization on his part. Yeah, well, as you pointed out when we were watching this episode, they show him really in love with Fiona and really happy to be having a son, even though we know that wasn't the case, because they have to, because Malcolm and Fiona must have true love, because the fairies show up and tell Fiona that her child is a savior. Huh. Guys are kind of hands off on the whole Aladdin thing. Or the whole Emma thing. Maybe this is why. Okay, so this is the... Loosely. This will be the third savior we have in the show. Yeah, I think that's right. And we've gotten radically different origins for saviors every time one has shown up. Like, initially, Emma was the savior just because it was something Rumple had written into the Dark Curse. It was a Dark Curse-specific thing. Right, it wasn't a title that she had from birth. It was a specific thing that was the result of people's actions, not the result of destiny. Emma is not the chosen one, other than the fact that Rumple chose her to break the spell. Yes. Then it became a role. A Slayer-esque role with its own magical power set that came with it that seemed a lot more random. I guess there was nothing to indicate that Aladdin's parents didn't have true love. I mean, I think we can assume they did. I guess, but it's not important to him becoming the savior. He becomes the savior Honestly, because the kingdom needs him. It, it seems like another one of those situations. No, but with Aladdin, it's prophesied that he will be the savior. He's the diamond in the rough. Hmm. So we move away from agency and into chosen one stories as soon as we get to Aladdin. And this one is even more overt because there's, you know, magical wise women who show up at the birth to tell the mother that this child is the chosen one. So. Sorry, I just have to pop in here that I really love when the fairies show up. Fiona's like, don't fairies usually travel alone? And I was like, yeah, but Tiger Lily's a fairy in training, so this is her supervisor. There's literally no other explanation given. This call may be monitored for quality assurance purposes. This isn't a new look for Blue. Blue's wearing her same poofy blue dress with the white inner thing. But because they're going to have her be human-sized, or at least sized the same as the people she's standing next to for a while, they don't give her the jellyfish skirt, because it would be hard to stand next to someone in that skirt. Well, the thing that really popped out at me is, because of the way the scene is lit with lots of soft, natural lighting, it kind of looks like she's not wearing a shirt when she first shows up. Like, it's a real goblin queen aesthetic. Or Yes, her corset is pale, the way her skin is pale when she first appears. It's not something I normally think about, but she's not normally lit in this, like, soft, warm lighting. That is just a fluke of CGI, though. That's like... Yeah. Kids who have too many blockers on their internet might masturbate to that, but that's it. Oh, I was going to say, this is the sort of thing that would get flagged by Tumblr nowadays. Yes, Tumblr's over-eagerness would flag that. Fiona's happy to see the fairies, but also immediately concerned. Apparently she reads a lot, which is in interesting quirk to give to the mother of a guy who's dating Belle. Huh. I did not think of that. I just thought it makes sense that Rumpelstiltskin's mother would be scholarly, but oh my. Yeah. 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 
So Tiger Lily, by the way, is Rumpelstiltskin's fairy godmother. I thought you picked them. I mean, I guess not in the fairy case. They're just like assigned to you. Yeah, you don't pick fairy godmothers. You pick godmothers, but fairy godmothers just happen. Mm. Um, She's terrible at it, considering everything that goes down. I mean, I don't want to blame her because she was fairy godmothering under very hard circumstances, but... Yeah, I might also put this on Blue, like when Astrid fucked up the dust production. Blue does not seem like she's a great supervisor. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably true. I mean, I don't like to say you had one job at People because People generally have many jobs, but come on, Tiger Lily. You had one job. So we cut from baby Rumple to adult Rumple. Yeah, adult Rumple dissecting a baby. I mean, not really. It's a dragon's egg. A dragon's egg that never hatched. And so he's like pulling the fluid out of it so that he can use that to wake up Belle. And, you know, the the white hats who are watching him are kind of creeped out because dragons are sentient beings. So, yeah, he's dissecting a baby. Yeah. And the last time we saw a dragon egg, it had like a human baby in it. Although that did not stop Charming and Snow from throwing it into a death pit. Yeah, well. This, this show is racist against dragon babies, that's all I'm saying. Well, we haven't seen Lily in a while. No, we have not. Even though she's soul bonded with Emma. Hashtag where's Lily? So some gross green looking smoke comes out of the egg and goes up Blue's nose but does not wake her up. I thought she was uncomifying at the end of the last episode no no they they sprinkled fairy dust on her like raw fairy dust and specifically said this is the first part of a multi-step process to wake her up so that we could presume she would get woken up this episode all right because i remember she the reason she got comed in the first place was because rumple drained her of her magic wait why don't they just crush one of those crystals on top of zelina to re-magic her up well it didn't work here also, Zelina's not a fairy, so fairy, mag- so fairy magic is entirely different from the kind of magic she uses. Mm. So Rumpel's really pissed when Blue doesn't immediately wake up, so he storms out of his shop and just throws a noose... Uh, what are those called? A uh, newspaper box? Yeah, he just throws... He just magically throws a newspaper box into the street in a temper tantrum, which I find kind of charming. I do, too. I. It was cute. Which is, it's not great to find, that's not healthy behavior, but eh. So Belle comes out and she's like, did that make you feel better? And he's like, no. And she's like, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine because I'm a hero and therefore our son's a hero because I guess heroism's the dominant trait. So everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. But Rumble tells her everything is not going to be fine because these stories go in cycles and everyone in his family has like kids ripped away from parents. That's his overarching theme. But Emma pops her head out and she's like, guys, remember that thing where you need to wait more than five seconds to see if magic works? Because that's such a reoccurring thing in this show where, oh, no, someone's not healed immediately. I guess they're dead forever. Yeah, yeah, no one in this show has any goddamn patience. But Rumple and Belle do go back into the shop, and Blue is waking up, and they all jump on her and are like, where's the other half of the wand that banishes the Black Fairy? Well, except for Snow, who is literally on top of her, and she's like, she should shut up, she just got out of this coma. And Blue's like, no, it's cool, it's in the center of Storybrooke, which is which is a very obtuse thing for me to say for no reason. Fucking fairies. I'm not, I'm not even fucking fairies. And then I thought this was just bad staging because Snow puts her hand on uh, the blue fairy's throat. and I, But then I was like, Mom, why are you choking her? And of course, Snow turns into the black fairy and is like, I'm not your mom, Emma. I'm Rumple's mom. And okay, so it turns out that Snow was the black fairy in disguise there to stop Blue from telling her secrets. But also, calm down, she just woke up was the right thing to say david turns to david turns to uh emma and he's like and i'm not your daddy and he he turns into gideon yeah yeah that's a weird moment it is a weird moment so i'm not your daddy i'm your step uncle is that what we decided all right so your uncle-in-law right no, because he's uh, he's Neil's brother-in-law. Brother. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, your brother-in-law. Yeah. I'm not your daddy. I'm your brother-in-law. 
But the Black Fairy bamps off with Blue, and while Gideon attempts to bamp off, Rumple just slaps one of those magic-inhibiting bracelets on him, and he's like, yeah, no, we're not doing this. Could have done that to the Black Fairy. She was right there. I mean, Rumple is on the ball, but there's only so much that you can be expected to stop your parents, because you have all that inborn parent-child stuff. Mm. Speaking of people who can't do magic, we cut from that to... Zelina in the mayoral mansion trying to put together an Ikea crib, which raises some questions. She tells Regina, she's like, I've been defeated by Sniglar. And Regina's like, is that like a demon? And Zelina's like, no, no, it, it's this Ikea baby furniture I got. And I'm like, I hope Ikea didn't pay for this because they're not coming off great here. Also, there's an Ikea in Storybrooke. I doubt Ikea paid for that, but there is not an Ikea in Storybrooke. Which means that Ikea somehow shipped this into Storybrooke. This is pre-drones, so is there just like some delivery guy who's stuck in Storybrooke now? Yes. Because I want that story. How did he even find Storybrooke? It just raises too many questions. Your weird Ikea joke is brought up too much. Regina does tell Zelina that eventually she'll get used to not having magic. And mentions how terrible it was to go for 28 years without magic back when she was living in the curse. Which brings up the question that we ask all the time. Why did Regina trap herself inside the curse? Well, going back to season one, I don't know if this is legitimate that she thought the curse would destroy all other lands, which seems- Oh, you're right, she did. Which really seems excessive. I had forgotten that that was supposedly a side effect of the curse, and in retrospect, it destroyed nothing. Like, in season two, we saw like a tiny little island that was supposedly safe, but everything else was destroyed. But that whole plotline was dropped. The whole enchanted forest is still there. Yeah, like, Korra had that whole magic bubble thing that was protecting her and Hook and the people around them, but Aurora was fine through the curse, and Milan points out that it just froze everyone in time until the curse was broken, although apparently she was aware of being frozen in time for 30 years, so... Honestly, Max, we're nearly done with season six. We don't have time for these questions of continuity that the show clearly doesn't care about. But the thing is, the Dark Curse destroying all other lands is going to come back at the end of this season. Oh my god, that's terrible because this episode is not just the origin of the Black Fairy, it's the origin of the curse. And based on the origin of the curse, it doesn't make sense for it to destroy all other lands. Yeah, we'll wait until it comes up to talk about this. But the origins of the Dark Curse are just... Bad? Real bad. So back in Rumple's shop, Rumple is interrogating Gideon. He and Belle want to know where Gideon's heart is so they can get it and, you know, put it back in him so that, you know, they can save him from the Black Fairy's influence. But he's in super amounts of pain because he has some spell on him where if he helps them help him, it causes him pain. Yes, if he goes against the Black Fairy's wishes, it causes him physical pain. Yeah, it's like the D&D spell Geas. There's a D&D spell that does that. It's high level. Sounds pretty fucked up. Well, normally you just order someone to do like a quest for you. And then if they're not doing the quest, they feel pain. It's usually used by NPCs and DMs who can't get their players to do what they want them to do. It sounds pretty uh, railroady. Yeah. So Rumpel's like, look, I'm going to take care of this situation, but I need one thing from Belle first. Your trust. And Belle's like, look, we're kind of into the sunk cost fallacy part of our relationship. I've tried to leave you so many times, and that's just not the way the wind is blowing on this show. The finale's in a few episodes. It's like freezing to death. You feel warm at the end. That's about right. And when Rumble throws some sands of Morpheus on Gideon, then on Emma, who is there, and then on himself, and poor Belle just stands there slack-jawed like, what is happening?! Okay, I love this because he's like, I'm going to use the sands of Morpheus to enter the dreamscape. Also, Emma's coming too, and Emma's like, wait, what? <laughs> well, and then when they transition to Gideon's dreamscape, Emma's like, why did you kidnap me? And Rumple's answer is not because I needed your help. It's 
because I was worried that you would do something dumb if you weren't with me. I needed to be able to keep an eye on you. Like, rude. It's pretty great because at first they're in the dreamscape and Emma's like, shouldn't there be like flying toasters or I don't know, like pink elephants, pink elephants. And he's like, what kind of shit are you dreaming about? Which fair. I mean, if we went into my dreamscape, all of my dreams recently have been about getting lost while trying to drive to work, which is not great. Oh, that sounds like a terrible anxiety dream. It it's not a great uh, endorsement of capitalism there. That my dream, my my bad dreams are about being late to work. Ugh. Well, Rumble and Emma go inside a cottage that they find, and there's a bassinet in there, rocking on its own, because that's apparently what Rumple's nightmares are. Emma asks why Gideon would be dreaming about this, and Rumple tells her that this is the cottage he was born in. Yep, they're in his dreamscape, not Gideon's. Womp womp. Also, I mean, not to be on Emma's side, but I do feel like the dreamscape should be a lot more abstract than, hey, we're back in the Enchanted Forest again. In a lot of my dreams, I'm in my childhood home, in the home that I didn't live in past five years old. So it makes sense that this would be a fairly realistic dreamscape. So we cut to Rumple as a baby with his mother, Fiona, singing an incredibly depressing song about losing your children to him. Most nursery rhymes are depressing songs like that, so I have no issue with this. Yes, Rockabye Baby is horrifying. But Tiger Lily teleports into the room and Fiona immediately draws a sword on her. I think it's a machete, actually. It is a machete, and Tiger Lily's like, whoa, calm your roll there. And Fiona says, look, I've been reading the Book of Prophecies, which you fairies have apparently that said that my son is going to be the savior and that you loaned to me. And it also says that all saviors die and that he's going to die. And Tiger Lily's all, well, yeah, everyone dies. And Fiona's like, not my son. Yeah, Tiger Lily also has brought more fairy books for Fiona, which feels like not the answer. Yes, giving a, why did you give her the Book of Prophecy in the first place? That seems like it's A, really, really valuable, and B, such a bad idea. Yes. Fiona also exposits to us that she has read that the person who's going to defeat Rumple was born the same winter he was born and has a crescent scar. You know. As you do. As you do. And Tiger Lily's like, look, you need to let me worry about protecting him. I'm a fairy. Protecting him is my job. And Fiona's all, here, hold my baby. This definitely isn't a plot to get you to drop the wand you're carrying. Yeah, she hands the baby to Tiger Lily and then grabs Tiger Lily's wand. And Tiger Lily's like, you can't use that. You're not a fairy. And Fiona uses it immediately to turn herself into a fairy, which, okay. I guess that's pretty easy then. Well, Tiger Lily says that shouldn't be possible. But remember, earlier in this scene, she has told us that Fiona has read more books of fairy lore than even some of the fairies. So I guess she figured out how to turn herself into a fairy. With like three Latin phrases. By the way, I wish the show used Latin more often. Mm. Just, it sounds magic-y. It does. And rhyming spells are hella dumb. They are... So now we have a parent who has taken on a great power in order to protect their child. This is going to go well. Yep, that always goes well in this show with this family. So back in the present, Regina has got Zelina the jankiest car she could find. It's a green station wagon. It's the only other green car that she could find in Storybrooke. And she knew that it would be more important for Zelina to be on brand than to have an automatic transmission. Yes, this is a manual car, which I'm sorry, if you're teaching someone to drive, shouldn't you do it on an on an automatic? Especially if this is a person who has limited exposure to technology, shouldn't you make learning to drive as simple an experience as possible? Uh, yeah, especially because she says brake is on the left, gas is on the right. And it's like, okay, that's good. But what about the clutch, Regina? What about the clutch? Yes, it's a whole extra thing you have to learn. For Zelina. For Zelina. But this does bring up one of my all-time favorite tropes. We will talk about that when it happens. We will talk about that when it happens. 
But Selena's like, why is it so important for you that I need to learn how to drive all of the sudden? And Regina tells her that when the final battle happens, she wants Selena to take off with Henry to keep him safe in case, you know, everyone in Storybrooke dies. And Selena's like, you're trusting me with your son? And Regina says, no, I'm trusting Henry with you. Which is accurate because she says she trusts Henry to raise Zelina, just as he did with Regina. And let's be clear here, kind of Emma. Yeah, right? (laughs) It is fun that I guess they still own that apartment back in New York because she tells her to go to New York. That's where she and Henry will be safe. It is a thing with New York property that sometimes it makes more sense to hold on to it than to sell it. So, Mm. yeah. I mean, she should sublet it. She'd make a ton of money. Well, if it's owned by a co-op, there might be a limited number of subletters that are allowed in the building. Uh, yeah. Also, Henry's friends from school in New York are probably wondering what happened to him because he did have a whole life in New York for retroactively his whole life. Right? Well, I mean, I guess people disappear. They knew that his mom was a bounty hunter, and the two of them just picked up and moved one day. I'm sure there are lots of really boss stories about what happened to Henry and his mom. Oh, yeah, no, he's totally a legend, because remember, people were recording the magic he did in New York. Oh, yeah. So, you have you're, you go to school with this kid. You've known him for a while. We don't know when Emma moved to New York with Henry, but he's definitely been in school there for over a year. Suddenly he leaves mid-year, mysteriously. You don't hear from him at all, and then you see a video of him on YouTube opening a magic portal right by the public library. Okay, but the the story is totally that he and his mom went and started a cult. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he had that speech about needing belief. Yeah! There must be so many really cool stories about Henry at that school he left. So, while Zelina and Regina are having their driving lesson, Regina gets a call on her phone from Snow, who tells her that they are at the clock tower, the geographical center of town, and there is no wand there. And then Regina realizes that fairies are fucking annoying, and that when Blue said the wand was in the center of town, she must have meant the heart of town, so she must have meant grannies well way to be obtuse for no good reason blue also what is this riverdale (laughs) grannies is not the heart of town if anything i would say the heart of town is that well that's the source of magic yeah they they kind of dropped that well after a while that was a big thing in the early seasons what really happened is snow called regina and said i'm at the clock tower and the wand is not here and regina replied Well, then it must be at the one other public location that we have a set built for. (laughs) Grannies. Honestly, it would have made more sense for it to be in Regina's office. That's another place that would make more sense as the heart of Storybrooke. Especially since Storybrooke was designed by Regina. Why would the heart in the town she designed be at Grannies? No clue. So she teleports off to help uh, Snow and the rest of the bunch uh, look for the wand. As she teleports off, she teleports Zelina from the front seat to the back seat, which is so small and petty, but I kind of love it. Why would she even do that? I mean, I think the theory was so that Zelina would have a harder time chasing her. But first of all, Regina teleported. And secondly, we've established Zelina doesn't really know how to drive this car yet. Yes, she could barely go down the street and she hit a bunch of garbage cans. Regina should have taken her to a parking lot. It's fine. Regina doesn't care about property damage. It's true. This is the second uh, disastrous driving lesson we've seen on this show. It's true. We also saw this when David was teaching Henry how to drive, and he took out a bunch of mailboxes on Main Street because the Charmings also don't care about property damage. God, what is this show? Buffy? So we get a quick scene where the Black Fairy's like, ha ha, I have you, Blue Fairy, and I'm going to torture you while singing that song I sang to my baby. And Blue's like, oh, God, whatever. Then we go back to the flashback, and we see a baby, a baby which is surely not evil, as Tiger Lily, who shows up with Fiona, says that this baby does not look evil. Fiona says, you said that about all the other babies. And Tiger Lily says, they weren't evil either. 
I do like Fiona's fairy outfit. Well, Fiona's fairy outfit is white, white and beige. I, I think we're definitely given to understand that she was the white fairy before she became evil and became the black fairy. Really? I think she was the yellow fairy. I think there's enough yellow in her outfit. It's like very pale yellow. Well, there definitely is, like I said, some beige, which is kind of a pale yellow. And I'm glad you said that because the blanket that she was holding Rumple in will be an important blanket. And that blanket is yellow. Hmm. A book-loving lady who's associated with yellow. I know. I didn't want to bring that up again. But yeah. Yeah. Perhaps it's meant to be not yellow, but gold. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Mr. Gold. Yeah. Gold. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So this baby, A, does not look evil, and B, does not have the distinguishing mark of evil, the crescent moon birthmark scar thing. The crescent scar. Sorry, now that I'm seeing Fiona in in a full shot and seeing her skirt, which I described as beige, but no, you're right. It's definitely gold. Yes, she is definitely the gold fairy at this point. Uh, Yeah, it, it even has little sparkly bits to make that more unyellow yes okay yeah so fiona picks up baby rumple and she's like look this clearly isn't effective what i what i was thinking was i'd create a spell that would allow me to make a place where my baby would be safe i i've combined two different spells and i just need a little help to make it complete tiger tells her that making new spells is forbidden which why right whatever so the place that fiona is making is a place where no child will be ripped from their mother ever again i mean it's not based on what we see that is literally not what we're about to see but whatever fiona whatever back in the dreamscape Rumble and Emma are kind of having a download about what's been happening and whether or not Rumble is evil this season. Emma goes over her whole, she's like, look, we have this common ground because we were both abandoned. And Rumple's like, I never had a mother. I never had a mother doing the things that a mother should, caring for me. She didn't even give me a name. And you know that names are occasionally a really important thing to me. Also, Rumple's like... I can't wait for you to defeat my mother. I won't be upset at all. And Emma's like, oh my god, there's a lot to unpack here. To quote that meme that's been going around, there's a lot to unpack here, but maybe let's just throw away the whole suitcase. Mm. Yeah, because Emma's like, I I just need to make sure you're not going to do one of your famous last minute backstabbings. And he's like, hey, my famous last minute backstabbings are always to the villain. So calm down. Anyway, then Gideon shows up. And is like, oh my god, dad, you fought for me. That's all I ever wanted was a parent who's fighting for me. Themes. Don't worry, the only one here who doesn't have parental love is gold. Everyone else has parental love. Hopefully gold won't find out anything this episode that will change that. Interesting that here gold is believing he has no parental love. Honestly, of all the people in town, that allies him closest with Hook, mm. his nemesis, right? Hook is Rumpel's nemesis because Rumpel's the crocodile. Uh, Remember when that was a thing? Uh, I'm surprised we didn't find out Hook's mother was someone. She's the Black Fairy. I know, I'm just being difficult. <laughs> Secret brothers. That would fit in with this show, honestly. No, 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 no. Hook's mom. Turns out to be a time-traveling bell. Okay. Yeah, that would that would work. That, that would work with what this show seems to think we should be doing. So Gideon and Rumple reconcile, and their reconciliation somehow makes a snowdrift with a baby carrier appear in it. Yep. Yep. I mean, I know it's got to be a snowdrift that's randomly in the middle of the forest, but I think it looks more like salt. Like, it looks like salt sand. It does. Which is actually probably what it really is. So, And the baby carrier, of course, has the yellow blanket, which is Rumpel's significant blanket. So back in the real world, Granny's all like, look, you people need to get out of here. I'm about to have my lunch rush. 
And David's like, shut up. Everyone, destroy as much of Granny's as possible until we find that wand. I know, they start tearing it up like they're hockey players in an escape room. Now, I know we normally exaggerate this sort of thing, you know, for effect on the podcast, but David actually says, like, leave no stone unturned, tear everything up. And, of course... That's not the smart way to do it because it's not just going to be randomly hidden inside a booth. It's hidden in the most significant part of Granny's, which is under the jukebox? Because music is the soul of a diner. Okay. Well, anyway, they find the wand. That's where it is. Hook finds the wand and Regina's like, give it to me so that I can unite the wand and we can defeat the Black Fairy. And Hook very smartly Mm. says, wait, wait, wait. How do I know you're not the Black Fairy in disguise? And then Snow is like, we really should have set up a safe word or something. Which, smart. I mean, it would have been smarter to say it yesterday, but yeah, sure. Well, she was busy being replaced. What did what did the Black Fairy do with her and David? Were they just not there for the waking of Blue? I guess not. I mean, they do occasionally have a baby they need to take care of. Okay, sidetrack question. Mm-hmm. What do you think Snow and Charmin's safe word is? Can it be a phrase? Yes. I will always find you. No, see, that's a terrible safe word or be- safe phrase. Because everyone hears them say it all the time. Because it's the kind of thing that they might naturally shout during sex. Oh. Not just when they wanted sex to stop. Oh, oh, then I've got something that they never say. Yes? You were right. So Hook is like, how do I know you're not the Black Fairy? And then the Black Fairy comes into the diner and is like, because I'm the Black Fairy. And Hook is like, sorry, my bad. And gives the wand to Regina. That would have been great if that was actually someone else and Regina was the Black Fairy. I know they lost Gideon. but I know. I was thinking about that when the Black Fairy came in. I'm like, wait, you still don't know. You have shapeshifters all over town. Also, she can probably project holograms. So, but it's okay. It is the Black Fairy. Regina has the wand, and I kind of love the Black Fairy says that she's never gotten to kill a queen before, and Regina says, well, I've never gotten to kill a fairy, and they're both so ready for this fight. Also, I don't believe either of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't believe the Black Fairy has never killed a queen, and I don't believe Regina has never killed a fairy. So they're going to have one of those main street fights that we haven't really seen since Selena rolled into town. Uh, I guess Emma had this had the main street sword fight with Gideon, but... Right, well, but that was really just recreating the vision that she's still having, so that doesn't count, I don't think. Is she still having it? I thought it stopped after she actually had the fight with Gideon. She still has the tremors? Sometimes, when they remember. Oh. But really what I want to talk about is how really in your face the symbolism is this episode so you've got regina wearing all white which is very out of character for her not her best look but she has to be wearing white so that she can face off against the black fairy yes there's a very clear contrast here i was going to say it's very white queen versus the black fairy but i just meant white queen like on a chessboard but now i'm imagining how great it would be if emma frost was in once upon a time Well, I mean, she would win immediately because she just straight up kills people. You know how ABC Disney owns Marvel, so they definitely could have dropped Marvel characters in here? Mm -hmm. How great would the Frozen season have been if Ingrid had been Emma Frost? Again, it would have been over too quickly. She's too confident for this show. Oh, it's true. It's true. Then it could have just been a Hellfire show, like a stealth Hellfire show. She just comes in, she takes over, and then she, like, builds her school. Oh, and then she and Snow have, like, competing schools, and Snow becomes this, like, Xavier figure. Oh, God. Remember when Snow was trying to, like, make the school a thing at the beginning of this season? That's why I'm, like, headcasting her as Xavier, because she also seems to have no concern for her students and often forgets that she's supposed to be running a school. (laughs) Uh... So anyway, there's a fight in the middle of Main Street with Regina and Fiona. I do love the run-up trash talking where the Black Fairy's like, you've just been stealing other people's magic. You used Rumpel's fireballs. You used my dark curse. You've never had an original thought of your own. And Regina's like, excuse me, you came up with a curse that you never had the balls to use. Who do you think's going to win this confrontation? It's true. So the Black Fairy light blasts? Regina? It's really a weird choice. Yeah, she does the light blast thing, which you could have used a different after effect. 
Maybe it's a light blast because she's powering her magic with the fairy dust crystals. And remember, she tried to make them dark, but then Zelina took all her magic back, so she's powered with light fairy dust crystals now? Maybe. I do love that apparently Granny's is right next to the Three Bears Spa. The Three Bears Day Spa. We've, uh, we've seen that spa before. I just didn't know it was right next to Granny's. It's conveniently located. So it is. But she knocks Regina down. Regina is not doing well in her mystical duels this season. No, she's not. She's just saving her stuff for the final battle. But then my favorite, favorite trope happens. Yes. Selena hits the Black Fairy with her car. Yes. The two of them are facing off and from off screen comes that green station wagon barreling down the street and knocks over the Black Fairy. This is one of my favorite tropes. I mostly see it in superhero stuff, but I love when it shows up anywhere because I love a good anti-climax and just having someone get hit with a car to end a like magic fight or a superhero fight is just a great note. Well, it doesn't always have to be a magic fight. I think the one of the most classic examples of this trope is Indiana Jones with the whip. When he faces off against the person who does all of those, like, it's not a whip, it's a sword. He's facing off against somebody who's doing a bunch of sword tricks, and then he just pulls out a revolver and shoots him. Yeah. Which, fun fact, that scene only happened that way because Harrison Ford was incredibly sick when they were shooting. He was supposed to have a sword fight, but he was not feeling up to it. Yeah, and it became a very iconic moment. Not to go off on a tangent here, but another iconic moment, the I love you, I know scene was Harrison Ford ad-libbing. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. But the car thing, it's come up in a couple of places, most notably Empowered, where the main character realizes, like, she's got some super strength, but she's not, like, one of the stronger people there. And she realizes, wait a second, I could hit this guy with a car. Or I could just drive into him really fast, and it would be a lot more effective because I'd be going faster. It it also comes up in the death of Ultimate Spider-Man when Ultimate Peter Parker gets killed. Uh Uh-huh. Green Goblin's come up with this new Sinister Six, and they've been beating the crap out of him. You know, he's very nearly beaten to death when Aunt May comes out, and she literally just shoots five of the Sinister Six people before the Goblin breaks her arm. Aunt May is amazing. Aunt May is amazing. Oh, okay. Aunt May takes out five of the Sinister Six by just shooting them, and then the Green Goblin breaks her arm, and he's going to kill her and Peter when MJ hits him with a moving van. That is great. And then Ultimate Peter Parker dies because he got shot by Ultimate Captain America because Ultimate Captain America is the worst. Oh my god, I know. I know. Seriously, though, the less said about Ultimate Captain America, the better. Hmm. Let's talk about Zelina instead. I do kind of like that after being hit by a car, the Black Fairy's just like kind of sitting on the road and she's like, nope, out. Yeah, she's more irritated than anything else, but it does end the fight because she does teleport away. And then Zelina charmingly tells Regina, it's so much easier to drive when you are trying to hit things. This is a like A plus episode for Zelina. I've enjoyed every Zelina scene this episode. Right? So back in Rumpel's Adventures in Sad Memory Land... Yeah, he's holding his baby blanket, and Emma's all like, oh, the Black Fairy doesn't want you to know the secret of why she gave you up, so hold on to the blanket and focus on it. Also, why? Why doesn't the Black Fairy want- whatever. It doesn't make any sense why she would be hiding this from him. The only thing that makes sense is that she wanted him to think she was hiding it from him so that he would find it out so that he would join her. I don't know why they think this is the Black Fairy at all. The Black Fairy's not in charge of Rumble's memories. Rumble's like, be careful, Miss Swan. My mind is a terrible place, and, you know, you wouldn't want anything bad to happen to you while you're here. And Emma's like, really? Are you still doing this? Also, you brought me here. You brought- Asshole. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, we're- She literally says, I think at this point in our relationship, we're beyond threats. So- Rumpel holds the baby blanket and focuses on it so that he can flash back to the moment that his mother gave him up, which is conveniently at the moment in the flashback that we're up to. I do love Gideon and Emma's facial expressions. They're in fairyland now. Yeah, the one that's like inside of flowers, but also made out of flowers. But also in the sky. Sure, fairies. And we see Fiona singing to baby Rumpel. 
as she and Tiger Lily are finishing creating the Dark Curse. And Rumble's like, but wait, she's paying attention to me. What? Yeah, she clearly loves me. So Tiger Lily is watching Fiona create the Dark Curse and is like, wait a second, you're not making a spell, you're making a curse! And Fiona's like, eh, tomato, tomato. I want to point out, she says, do you have the wolfsbane? It's the last, uh, it's the last ingredient we need. And I'm like, is the last ingredient for the dark curse, the heart of the thing you love the most, which would kind of defeat the purpose of creating this other land? I was thinking about that. Like, the spell can only be cast by killing Rumple, which is the whole thing that, uh, whatever. So... Tiger Lily mystically stops Fiona from completing the spell, not by ripping out, you know, Rumpel's heart, which is the thing, but by adding Wolfsbane to this bubbling cauldron. And she's like, wait a second, what this this spell is going to do, it's going to banish every non-Rumpel child to a land where time doesn't move. And the Black Fairy's like, yes, we couldn't find which child was destined to kill Rumpel, so... It's just going to teleport every other child in the country away so none of them can grow up to kill him. Yeah, it was going to send them all to a land without magic, which, okay. I mean, so baby town. What was her storybook going to look like all filled with babies? I mean, she's like, no harm will come for will come to them, but it's going to be a town full of babies. They're all going to die. Well, she said that she was going to make sure no mother was ripped from her child again. So maybe it would have been all of the mothers and their children teleported away. And then maybe she wasn't going to try to steal their happiness the way Regina was going to with her curse. So maybe she was going to make some weird New England town where a bunch of women had just left their husbands and brought their babies and like banded together to form a commune and raise their kids together. So she's going to create Summer's Isle. Yeah, yeah, from the remake, not the original. Yeah. Um, maybe not the most evil thing? I mean, it's not good because you're ripping people away without their permission and stuff, but maybe not the worst thing? Or you always have the option of just, like, sticking around your kid and trying to make sure no one murders him. That's also an option available to you, especially now that you have magical powers. Yeah, that's true. Raise his ass in fairyland. She rips out Tiger Lily's heart. Which immediately darkens her soul and transforms her into the black fairy. It's a kind of cool effect. You see this like darkness spreading from her center. Yeah, it's a cool effect, but I am a little put out that... She goes from wearing a gold dress to wearing a black dress to show us that she's evil. Well, she also has more cleavage in her black dress. Not great. I really like the effect of her, like, dark wings unfurling, though. I do kind of like that the black dress that she's wearing appears to be black lace over gold. It's just, it's got this really cool, it plays up this sort of creepiness insect wings would have coming out of a human person which is something that fairies tend to downplay. Yeah, I do like the effect of her wings. Now, pulling out Tiger Lily's heart has caused her wrist to burn, and so Fiona now has a crescent-shaped scar on her inner wrist. (sighs) Yes, and Tiger Lily tells her, the evil that is going to kill your son was not born this winter it was made and fiona's like but i would never kill my son i love my son also like so like if she had done nothing then it would have been nothing if she had done nothing then nothing would have happened okay it's one of them self-fulfilling prophecies i hate those rumple wakes up in his shop and is like oh my god my mother did love me she's just terrible at being a mother i can relate and emma also wakes up and is like oh i'm not the savior rumple is the savior yeah she wakes up and regina's there with the wand and regina's like here i got the full wand take it and use it to kill the black fairy and emma's like ah but i found out there's a different savior and that savior's rumple and rumple is going to be the one to stop the black fairy and bill's like 
I knew there was a good man behind the beast. Yeah, Belle's like, oh my god, this justifies all the abuse I've taken from you over the years. It's not great. Yeah, it's not. So they're all going to come with Rumple to defeat the Black Fairy. And Rumple's like, no, I- I'm going to bring up the thing Max and Tina bring up all the time, which is when you're going to a fight, you don't bring hostages with you. Like, I'm just going to take her out by myself, which is something I probably could have done at literally any point in this show. Well, he didn't have the magic wand before. Yeah, he only had the power of every dark one that's ever existed and also the Greek gods. So Rumpel goes to the sadness bench to face off with his mother, which is makes sense. The sadness bench that's on the banks of the lake, that seems like the appropriate place to confront your mother. Yeah. And he points the wand at her and he's like, I found out what your real motivation is and now I'm going to kill you. And she's like, she's like, wait, before you kill me, let me restate the themes. Our family keeps cycling through the same story where a parent tries to protect a child and ends up losing them because of it. I mean, that that's what happened with Belle. Belle was trying to protect Gideon when Gideon was lost. I mean, she was trying to protect him from Rumple, but... I just feel like there's a lot of unnecessary stating of the theme in this episode. That's all. Like, if that had just been what happened in this episode, I'd be saying how cool that stories are cyclical. But because Fiona feels like she needs to explain it to us, I'm like, calm down, Fiona. You don't need to spoon feed this to us. Thank you, Admiral Theme Stater. But before they can actually face off, we have to have one final flashback where Fiona explains why she left Rumpel after she became evil. Yeah, because Rumpel's like, I saw you becoming evil, but that didn't answer the question of why you abandoned me. And Fiona's like, aha, behold, the power of the flashback. Yeah, so we go right back to the moment we were at where Fiona is over her baby holding Tiger Lily's heart. And Blue shows up and teleports Tiger Lily's heart away from Fiona, but not the wand. Hmm, that that's a interesting choice. Also, keep in mind for the rest of this scene that Blue has the ability to teleport things away practically instantly. So Tiger Lily has the answer. Fiona doesn't have to be the one who's destined to kill Rumpel. She can just use these shears of destiny that Tiger Lily has in a drawer and sever her fate. Huh. Yeah. So the Black Fairy takes the shears, but instead of severing her own fate, because that would mean giving up her power, she severs Rumpel's fate, keeping him from ever being a savior. Therefore stopping her from ever needing to destroy him? Yeah. So now she's going to kill the other savior instead. Yeah, it, it tracks. But then she's like expelled from Fairyland and Blue and Tiger Lily still rumple away. Well, Blue opens a portal behind her to suck her to the dark world. The world that we saw her in before where she had all those children mining evil fairy dust for her. This was the best place for Blue to send her then. Yeah, Blue sent her to another world where she could mine infinite amounts of black fairy dust. Yeah, yeah. Smart. So then Rumple gets mad at his mom because it turns out that severing his fate is what made him a coward. Because remember, that's Rumple's thing is that he's a coward. Although this does kind of tie into when we saw the alternate universe, uh, Rumple, who was the light one. It's true. It does. I was thinking about that. Because in that universe, he went to find a way to stop the ogres and that's how he got light magic. Although weirdly enough, that wasn't construed as running in that case. The whole idea in the show of what is and isn't cowardice is iffy. So Rumpel's like, oh, God, I guess I can't kill you because you didn't abandon me. You were separated from me. Yeah, I guess. Also, Rumpel's really starting to understand her since she literally made all of the same decisions he did. She could have gave up her power to keep him safe instead of. You know. severing his destiny the way he was going to sever Gideon's destiny. I mean, he still would have got the savior shakies and been killed by someone, presumably. Um, Yeah, because everyone dies eventually. As you brought up earlier in this episode, the whole idea that, oh no, a savior dies is a ridiculous thing to worry about. Also, like, she's kept him from being killed by some great evil that he was fighting, but 
he was just going to end up being killed in the Ogre War if he hadn't taken matters into his own hands. Seriously. Back in the flashback, the fairies bring Baby Rumple to... Peter Pan, who is not Peter Pan yet, but to Peter Pan. And they're like, hey, so your wife's dead-ish. She's gone now. There was an accident and she's gone now. Right. So here's your son. You have to raise him on your own. And Peter Pan is like, oh, I definitely blame this child for taking away my wife, the woman I loved more than anything. I'm going to call him Rumpelstiltskin because it's an ugly name and he's an ugly child. And Tiger Lily, Rumpelstiltskin's fairy godmother, is like, okay, everything seems fine here. I'm out. Neat. I'm going to run away to Neverland. Uh, I'm going to give up my fairy powers and run away to Neverland because I feel guilty. We never get the full story on that. Although I think she is a character in the next season and we do finally get the full story on that. Okay. Because otherwise, this is a really weird note to leave it off on where she's just like, yeah, he'll be fine being raised by this man who very clearly resents and hates him. Although, now that his fate is severed, is she no longer his fairy godmother? I guess not. I mean, that would make sense that, as you've said, Blue is terrible at this. It would make sense if Blue was like, nope, he's not the savior. I'm assigning you to another child. You can't watch him anymore. But honestly, I, I also feel like... You know, Tiger Lily should have stuck around and made sure that Rumple was going to be okay, because he's clearly not. Yeah, it seems like a really bad fairy move to leave this baby with a man who clearly hates him. <sighs> Whatever. Back in the present, Rumple shows up at Granny with, like, a calcified and withered heart, which he claims is the heart of the Black Fairy. And everyone just kind of rolls with it. They're like, good job, savior. And he's like, I guess I am the savior. Then we cut to uh, him rehearting Gideon. Yep, yep. Gideon is in his shop and he gets his heart back and he's like, oh, now I remember I do love my mom and dad. And Belle's like, well, that wraps everything up in a nice little bow, doesn't it? Yep, series over. All right, everyone go home. So Rumple and Belle have speechy speeches about their respective themes. You know, I always saw the good man in you. Every bad thing I've done was for you. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to end up together now, I guess. Oh, don't criticize those speeches, though, because they are much better than the treacly speech that Hook is giving to Henry about wanting him to take on the most dangerous mission yet. Oh, my God. I hate this scene so much. This is the worst thing that Hook has ever done, and I am including the time he tried to send Emma's entire family to hell. Operation Best Man. What? And the fact that he's being so condescending to Henry here. He's talking to him like you would talk to a very small child. He's like, I need you to do a really special mission for me, Henry. Do you think you're up for it? I need you to guard this magical treasure. Our wedding rings. Ugh, barf. He is a grown-ass man at this point. Just tell him you want him to stand up with you. Yeah, seriously, just be like, hey, Henry, would you be my best man? Because I know literally no other dudes except David, so no. Also, the best man's job is traditionally to be the person who holds the sword and fights off people who show up at weddings to destroy them. So it seems like a good thing to ask Henry to do. It's just, I hate how condescending to Henry he's being here. God, it's so weird how much we've changed on Henry. I know, but you know, I'm Team Henry now. Yeah. Henry's like, I will be the best man. Because I am the best man. And I was like, what are you boys talking about? And Hook's like, it's man business, so it's none of your business. And Whatever. She... The two of them, when they get together, are really terrible about respecting Emma's agency. Well, any two men, when they get together, are bad at respecting Emma's agency. That's probably accurate. Except, I guess, Neil. Neil was a good man. Um, except for that one thing that he did. Which I guess he did after talking to August, so yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, I guess two men getting together inevitably will turn against Emma. God, poor Emma. She should just stay with Regina. This is another thing, like, with Buffy, where at the end of the series, I was really glad Buffy didn't end up with anyone at the end of Buffy, because... She's uncooked cookie dough? 
I was going to say, legitimately, her best relationship was with Riley, and that was a hot mess. Well, they had to make him a terrible boyfriend in, like, the course of a single episode to explain why they were getting rid of the actor. But they didn't do anyone any favors with that. But, I mean, she had legitimate reasons to break up with him. Mostly the fact that she seemed to forget that she was dating him a lot of the time. Yeah, it's okay to break up with someone just because you don't want to date them. You don't need to have, like, a reason. You don't need to go before a board and get approval to break up with someone. Yeah, you don't need to have your boyfriend suddenly get addicted to being sucked on by vampires. Oh my god. Oh, and the we should probably finish out the episode properly. Oh yes, there's only one scene left, which is Rumpel alone on Main Street at night, meeting up with the Black Fairy, because it turns out he didn't kill her after all. They're in league now. Just like Emma was afraid of. <gasps> yeah. Eh. Eh. But who gives a shit about that, because next week it's the fucking musical episode! You sound as excited as I am, and I know I'm more excited than you are. You, I am so excited. You definitely are, although listening to some of those songs. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Oh my god, Hook song. Oh, oh my god. god. It's so bad. Yeah. Okay, but that's until next week, so we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, For this episode... Fashion Corner, the only things that really stuck out uh, to me were the Blue Fairy's new outfit, which we may have talked a little bit to death. I feel like, and this is a weird thought, it really suffers from the lack of the ornamental flowers. Interesting. I think it becomes too uniform and weirdly enough ticky-tacky. Well, I've always had that problem with fairy outfits. They all seem like they have too much crap going on. You know which fairy outfit I really liked this episode, though? Uh, the Black Fairy? The Black Fairy was fine. I actually really liked the Gold Fairy. Oh, that's what I meant. Her, like... Oh, yes. I liked her Gold Fairy outfit. Her Gold Fairy outfit was nice. And I did like a lot of the, uh... I did like a lot of the Tiger Lily Fairy outfits. We didn't talk about them much. I thought it was fine. Um... They're not something special, but... Well, I thought it was interesting that even though the dress itself has a lot of flower flourishes on it... Especially with her hair, they tried to add some feathers to yeah, tie a... together the this is Tiger Lily thing. I liked that it seemed to be a unique take on the general fairy aesthetic. I thought it, they did a good job at tying in feathers without making it look offensively appropriative. Plus it kind of gave her this interesting uh, contrast with the gold fairy's outfit, which had fur worked into it. And I think it's interesting because... As I've mentioned all season, the black fairy outfits tend to incorporate feathers as well. So, uh, recommendations. My recommendation for this episode is reading Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. Okay. Was I stepping on you there? You're not stepping on me, but go ahead. Because it's a book that sort of explores the consequences of fairy decisions. It's this really interesting take on i'm sorry for vague spoilers but cinderella it's called ella enchanted i know that other people have said they were surprised when it turned into a cinderella story but it's called ella enchanted and it leads into it really organically like if you're not expecting it which you should from the title but if you're not expecting it it leads into it really organically yeah i love that book um so it's funny that you said ella enchanted because the thing i was thinking of was the Gail Carson Levine book, The Worst Fairy. Ooh. Which is, well, it's it's a much slimmer volume. It's really, it's not even novella-sized. It's even smaller than that. Um, but it's the story of a fairy tale. It's, it's the story of fairy tale fairies uh, who, who don't know what they're doing, which is, which, is a str- which is a strong mood for Once Upon a Time. A lot of, Gail Carson Levine does a lot of really strong work with the concept of fairies. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. All right. So I think, yeah, that should about do it for this week. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to help the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us uh, on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash I Love Television Zines. We can also be contacted at 
I love TV zines on Twitter or at I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Back to